it's getting more precarious every week. Um, so what we're doing here, if you have not been with us, is we're making a new person. It started out all kind of one color and we're replacing parts that need to be replaced until we have a new person, which is exactly what God does to us, isn't it? Like he, he loves us, he, he invites us into his family, then he begins to shape us and change us and transform us into people that look more like Jesus all the time, which means some parts have to go. And we need some new parts built into who we are, the way we think and what we do and how we speak. And so that's what this series has been about. Cut it out. We're uh, acknowledging that there are things that hold us back from Jesus-centered living, and our goal is to cut those things out of our lives in partnership with the Holy Spirit so that we become people who are devoted to Jesus and reflect that in our actions, right? So we, we have the two most difficult ones out of the way already. The last couple of weeks, we talked about dishonesty and sexual immorality, and uh, those were so much fun. And so uh, today, we're just, it's just gonna get so much easier. In fact, when I tell you what we're talking about today, you're gonna be like, why do we even need to talk about it? This is not an issue. You know, Christians never struggle with this. Uh, so, um, so it should be easy. You, you feel free to take a nap, check out. Uh, I, I can see you, but I won't say anything. Uh, so, uh, so today we're going to talk about anger and rash words. Christians never deal with this. It's just like, yeah, I can't even get through that without chuckling. And um, it's something that we do struggle with. And, and there are a few reasons why. First of all, we recognize that anger is a normal, natural human emotion, right? It, it just happens to you sometimes, you know? It's, you get sad sometimes, you are happy sometimes, and sometimes you're angry. And so it's not like you can just control it and decide to never get angry. So that's true. So what we do is we sort of take that and then we add on to that. Well, then my anger is, is always justified. Like I'm, I'm only angry when, when somebody deserves it or when some, something really wrong has happened. And so then what I do in my anger is also justified. That's the dangerous road that we begin to walk down uh, when we talk about anger and think about it uh, as something that's neutral. Because I think emotions are neutral. They're, they're, they're not good or bad. They just happen to you a lot of times. But there is, there is some danger here. So we're gonna talk about the danger of anger. And this is where I have to point out the English language is just weird because that should read the danger of anger or the danger of anger. But instead we say the danger of anger. There's no spiritual point to that. It's just weird. Uh, and I have to say it. All right. So the, the problem is anger often leads to us saying or doing something that we later regret. Can you relate to that? Can you think back to a time years ago, minutes ago, when you did or said something out of anger that you later regretted? Of course, we all can. We've all done that. Do we just accept that as a part of life? Or do we invite the Holy Spirit in to shape us into the kind of people that don't do and say things that we regret out of anger? The second one just sounds better, doesn't it? The people around you would love for you to choose the second one, right? Let God shape us into the kind of people who don't do things we regret. So the issue for Christians specifically in this, I wish that we just had a better reputation in this area. But the issue for us is that we justify anger and what we do out of anger from scripture. We, we pull out a couple of passages, we hold these up and we go, see, 
it's okay for me to have an angry outburst. And the first one that we go to is Jesus flipping tables in the temple, right? Jesus flipped tables. Friends, he made a whip and drove people out. And we go, I thought we were supposed to be like Jesus, right? Aren't we supposed to be like Jesus? So if Jesus can go in and flip tables and make a whip and drive people out, then whatever I do, whatever angry outburst I have is perfectly justifiable. It's natural. It's okay. It might even be right and righteous because Jesus flipped tables. Um, so to that, I would say, uh, when, when you have walked on water and died for the sins of the world, go ahead and flip tables, Okay, when we're called to be like Jesus, it doesn't mean that we get to do everything that Jesus did. You have not been asked to die for the sins of the world, correct? All right, so let's just be very cautious about going, all right, Jesus flipped tables, so my angry outburst is righteous. We made up a term for this. Christians made up a term for this. We call it righteous indignation. You heard of that? You've claimed it a few times. Yeah, I'm mad, but it's righteous indignation. Maybe, sometimes, probably not though. Okay, the second passage that we go to to justify our anger is in Ephesians chapter four when Paul's writing to this church about how to live in community with each other and he tells them, in your anger, do not sin, all right? So what we get from that is it's okay to be angry. Like, you're gonna get angry. It's not a sin to be angry. Just don't let your anger lead to sin. And we go, okay, uh, as long as I don't sin, I'm safe, and then we go ahead and define sin in a way that justifies whatever we do in our anger, right? Well, I, yeah, I was angry and maybe I had an outburst, but it wasn't sinful. In your anger, do not sin. So this is an issue for Christians in particular because uh, we, we can be an angry bunch. And what happens is we, we feed into, so there is this force in our economy called media, news media. You realize that's an economic, that's a business. The media is a business. And what the media has figured out through news programs on television, social media posts, the newspaper, anybody ever still read the newspaper? Oh, wow. More people than I thought. I expected zero hands. Um, what they figured out is one way uh, to sell their product, which their product is what? It's not the news. If you can't figure out what a company's product is, guess what? It's you, okay? So their product is you, and the way they get you is through making you angry. This is, this, is how the, this is what drives the economy of the news media. If they can make you angry, they've got you because you're gonna click, you're gonna share, you're, you're, you're gonna subscribe, you're gonna follow, you're gonna tell somebody else because we love to talk about the things we're angry about, don't we? I mean, how, how many times, how often is it in your family, everybody gets home from the day, uh, long day of work or school or whatever, and you just start venting about all the things that made you angry today. We love to talk about the things that make us angry, right? And that's how they get us. The news media, they figured out ways to make us angry. And Christians, have, we have our own buttons that they know to push, right? They, they know you push these buttons with Christians, you're gonna get them fired up and you can make them angry, Right? So we fall right into that trap. What if we didn't? What if, we, what if there was a better way to represent Jesus in the world than getting angry about everything all the time? I think there is. I think this is what Paul wants for us in uh, his writing. And so we're gonna go to this passage in Ephesians 4. We're gonna go to several passages today. So uh, be alert. There are gonna be a lot of things for you to read on the screen. And so when that comes up, just nudge the person awake 
and read along with us. So we're gonna go to Ephesians 4 first, uh, verse 26 and 27. Are you ready? Sweet. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And? Right. So this is what we said, right? In your anger, do not sin. Paul's not saying it's a sin to be angry. What is, can we get some context here, right? I think it's important to understand what Paul's talking about. So this is chapter four of a six chapter letter. So it's the last third. In the first two thirds of this letter, Paul spends a lot of time building this foundation that we, we are lost without Jesus. We are dead in our transgressions and sins. We are saved by grace and we are created for this community where there's unity among people who are very different from each other. And this community is supposed to reflect the nature of Jesus. So after he lays that foundation, then he starts to describe this community. What does it look like for Christians to live together? And be in relationship with each other and reflect Jesus to the world around them. And so this is one of the things that he says. And he's specifically referring to anger over sin in the church. So when he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, how many of you have heard that in the context of like couples counseling, right? Couples counseling. And so you're, you know, your, your goal for your marriage is uh, nobody's going to bed mad, right? Um, which sometimes is good. And sometimes it's not can we admit that? Because what that often leads to is one person at 11.30 p.m. going, we are not going to sleep until this is resolved. And the other person's like, well, we're gonna be up for a while then because it's not happening tonight, right? Like we, we, we use this as sort of like this leverage to force conversations. I don't think Paul intended this in a marriage context. You're not allowed to go to sleep if you're angry. If that was true, it'd be a lot of sleepless nights for a lot of us, all right? Okay, so I didn't get a lot of amens on that. All right. What Paul says, what he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. The anger he uses there, it's a different word from the one he uses at the beginning of this verse. And it refers to the source of your anger. Don't don't let the sun go down on the source, the thing that's making you angry. And Paul is assuming that what you're angry about is there's a sin in the body of Christ. So he says, if there's sin in the body, if somebody's hurting someone else in the body of Christ in a sinful way, then we need to address it. Let's get it out on the table. Let's address it. Because if you don't, if you just harbor that in your heart, that's one choice. It, it hardens your heart. It creates bitterness. Or if you talk about it to everybody else except the person that uh, you're actually mad at, then that creates division and gossip. That wouldn't happen in a church, would it? I mean, Surely, if somebody in the church makes us mad, we would go to them and not to someone else, right? Would, do we? I happen to know for factual, evident truth that there have been some of you who have been mad at me and didn't come and talk to me. How do I know that? Somebody told me, hey, you wouldn't believe how mad so-and-so is at you. You're right, I wouldn't believe it because they haven't said a word. Cut it out. It, listen, if you're mad at me, your choices are, if I sin against you, come and talk to me. We'll deal with it, I promise. If I didn't sin against you, get over it. Forgive me and move on. All right, sorry. That wasn't personal. <laughs> Just, uh... all right, so... He closes this little verse with, do not give the devil a foothold. I think we have to recognize that Paul is taking this very seriously. 
Paul is saying, this is one way the enemy of God gets into the community of believers to create division is through anger. Your anger can be an open door for Satan to get into the church. That sounds serious, doesn't it? That sounds like something we better pay attention to if we happen to be a person who ever gets angry, right? Okay, so we're gonna pay attention to that. Um, We're going to acknowledge that what Paul is talking about is sin in the church and that there are other things that make us angry. James is gonna sort of refer to this. We're going to James 1.20. James says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Right. Okay, so we like this part about being slow to anger, right? We're like, anger's okay. I just got to take my time getting there, right? But what he says next is, no, actually, human anger does not produce righteousness. So when, when he says be slow, he, he really means like, the goal is just don't ever get there. Because the things that we do out of anger are rarely constructive. They're rarely building something up. They're most often tearing something down. Paul says this uh, again in Colossians 3.8. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Now that is not a random list. That is a progression. Paul says when you get angry, if, if you're not dealing with this in the right and righteous way, it's going to lead to rage. Something will fuel it and you'll just get madder and madder and madder. And when you get mad, your anger needs an object. You're looking for someone to be mad at, right? Which leads to malice. Malice is wishing harm, wishing evil on someone else. And Paul says, when you get angry enough, you're gonna start wishing harm on people or wishing bad things for people. And when you do that, then you're gonna start saying things, slander. You're gonna start saying things that are sinful against another person. And filthy language. When he says filthy language, he's not talking about the F-bomb or the stuff that you're not supposed to watch on TV or have in your music. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about things that deteriorate relationships and break things down between people. And Paul says it starts with anger. If we get angry and we don't deal with it in a a righteous God-honoring way, it leads to rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. So Nip it in the bud, cut it out at the root. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna cut it out. We're gonna, we're gonna continue making a new person here. So I need my, uh, vol- where's my volunteers-ish, volunteer, Uno? Okay, come on guys and do some surgery. Um, we're uh, making a new person here. So while they're doing that, I want to recommend a book to you called, uh, yeah, come on up. Um, <laughs> steps are there. Uh, called Unoffendable by Brant Hansen. So Brant is a Christian. He wrote this book for Christians because he recognized in us this tendency to get offended pretty easily, right? We, we are pretty sensitive people. And so what we're talking about when we say anger, like anger can be okay, when sin is involved, I, I think like there, there's, a, there's an element of anger that's involved in addressing sin sometimes. But we often get angry over things that are not sin. Um, I'm so sorry. All right, so we're getting there. We just, this means we have one more week to go. We get a new head. It'll be awesome. 
So uh, Brand Hansen writes about this um, and being unoffendable. He's, he basically says, Christians should be the hardest people on the planet to offend. We should be so secure in God's love for us, so eager for the new creation, so full of gratitude and grace. We should be the hardest people to offend in any given society. Does that seem true to you? Are Christians the hardest people to offend? Or can the title of a book in a library set us over the edge? Man, we're, we're so sensitive sometimes. And we're not reflecting something to the world that matches with the nature and character of Jesus. We get so worked up over little things. Someone disagreeing with you is not a sin. Can we, all right, let's just submit that. Somebody disagrees with you, they haven't sinned against you. Someone hurting your feelings it's not a sin. Sometimes it is, okay? It can, it can be. But most of the time, somebody hurts your feelings because you didn't get exactly what you wanted from them. That's not necessarily a sin. So why do we get so worked up? Why do we get so offended? Our anger is, is reserved for evil in the world, right? It's things that are evil. This is what Jesus did. I think the only time we can really kind of lean into it and go, all right, this, is, this should fire me up is when it's addressing evil and not just my feelings got hurt or somebody moved my chair or like drove poorly in front of me and because you've never driven poorly. So I'm, I won't even go there. All right, a few more things about anger. I'm gonna give you kind of three um, statements, then some other things and then closing We'll, we'll get there. Uh, first, anger is often rooted in fear and love conquers fear. So we know this, that the source of our anger is often fear. It's fear uh, that uh, someone is going to hurt me or someone that I care about. Um, and, and, and there's kind of this defensiveness that, that rises up in us. This is uh, very common for parents and grandparents. If somebody is, is, is we're afraid they're gonna harm our kids then there's this defensiveness that rises up. And we have a word for it when it's, when it's females. We call it mama bear, right? This, the mama bear is coming out. We don't have a word for it with guys. I don't know, probably because they would be offended and we would get mad. So we just don't, we're not allowed to call them names. But uh, anyway, so uh, moms have mama bear. That, this is because we're afraid somebody's gonna hurt me or somebody that I love or care about. We're, we get angry when we're afraid somebody's gonna get away with something. There's gonna be an injustice. Don't, is an injustice make you angry? You're like, that person deserves this and I'm gonna, if they don't get it, I'm gonna be mad, right? Or if something good happens to somebody who doesn't deserve it, we're mad about that too. Like the, who, who's the Yahoo that won $1.5 billion or whatever? And then we're like, he doesn't deserve that. And you, there's a little part of you that's like, that's not fair. Like, well, it's the lottery. I mean, what's fair? Okay. Uh, so, but it's rooted in fear and scripture kind of gives us an indication that love drives out fear. First, first John uh, 4, 18, John writes, there is no fear in love. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So John says, look, we are the people. We are the people most equipped to be fearless because we have a God who loves us who has shown us grace and gratitude, uh, who has invited us into his kingdom. And, and the more we embrace and really realize the tangible nature of God's love for us, the less we have to fear in life. And we're moving towards, ideally, we're moving towards a place where we, we can honestly say, look, I'm, not, I'm just not afraid. I'm not afraid. 
So uh, love drives out uh, fear. Uh, anger is easy, grace is difficult. Anger is easy, grace is How do we know anger is easy? Everybody does it, right? I mean, you don't have to practice. No one has to teach you. You don't have to take a class. Everybody can be angry, but grace is difficult. And it, the way of Jesus is difficult, right? Like most often, if we have a choice between an easy way and a difficult way, which is gonna be the right way? The difficult way. I mean, it's just how life works right now. New creation won't be like that. Right now, that's how it is. Um, Jesus sets the foundation for this in Matthew 7. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many, many, many enter through it. And only a few find it. It's a, it's a narrow road. It's, it's the difficult road. So if anger is easy, it's most often not the right direction. Instead, grace and gratitude is the more difficult path is the God-honoring one. A third, anger is exhausting. Letting it go is energizing. It takes a lot of mental and emotional energy to stay angry, to be angry. It occupies your mind, you know. Something gets in there that you're ticked about and it's just, it's just like a worm in, in your brain and you can't, it's like you're thinking about it all the time. It keeps you up at night. You wake up mad. It's exhausting. And it's not only exhausting for you, but here's just a, a little tip for you. It's exhausting for the people around you. <laughs> to be around somebody who's angry all the time, I mean, it's just exhausting because you're, you're, you're trying to figure out like how to navigate their emotions so something doesn't blow up and it's, it's exhausting for the people around you. But when you let it go, it's absolutely energizing. There's just freedom on the other side of that. And so we'll talk about how to let that go in a minute. I wanna give you just a few uh, steps to take when you get angry. Because again, you will. This is not like me saying you should never get angry and you should feel really bad if you do. I'm not saying that. Anger happens, it's an emotion. So, uh, but here's some steps we can take. First, get still. Get still. When we, whatever we do with our hands and our feet, wherever we wanna go when we're angry, often is not a good place for us to go or a good thing for us to do. So I wish I had learned this when I was a teenager because I had a temper. I would get really fired up. So I learned to repair drywall pretty early in life because I would just get mad and punch a hole in the drywall and hope I didn't hit a stud behind there and break my fist, right? So I repaired a lot of drywall because I, I, I had to do something and that something I had to do was not often constructive, but destructive. Uh, second, get silent um, because, and we're gonna get into this in a minute, but the things that come out of our mouth when we're angry are often things that we're gonna regret. So when we're angry, let's just not talk for a minute and let's breathe. Let's just breathe. Breathing is a physical thing that affects your body and your mind in a way that's helpful, okay? It gets more oxygen to your brain, opens up your lungs, forces you to calm down a little bit, takes the temperature down, get still, get silent and breathe. Um, next, uh, I think there's some questions we need to ask uh, regarding the source of our anger. If sin is the source of your anger, like if someone has sinned against you or someone that you care about, or if there's just evil in the world, we need to ask some questions. Was it a sin against you? Okay, so some of you are angry at somebody because they annoyed you. Is that a sin? Sorry, it's not. Some of you are angry at somebody because they hurt your feelings. Did they sin against you? Are you willing to call that a sin? Or, or did they just get, didn't give you exactly the response that you wanted? 
Is it a sin against you? Is it a sin against someone else? And are you angry with the person or the sin? It's an important question. Are you angry with the person or the sin? When we're angry with the person, we have a hard time getting to resolution because what we want is that person to change and become someone else so we can be happy. How much control do we have over that? Exactly zero. But if we're angry with the sin, it's something that can be talked about. We can work on it. So how do we move towards resolution? First, forgive. Paul is gonna talk about this in a minute. We'll get to it. Um, second is contribute resources. Like we need to have this outward expression. If, there's, if we're angry about an evil in the world. So I'll tell you, um, I, I was uh, tricked into going to see The Sound of Freedom. Uh, this is a movie about uh, child trafficking. And if I had known what it was about, I would not have gone and see it because this is something that makes me angry. I, I, I get worked up about this. And so I sat through this movie. I made it through the whole thing, um, but it, it ticks me off. Uh, and so what do I do with that though? So a lot of times what we can do is we can feel sort of righteous by being angry about something that's evil. We kind of go, that is horrible. And I'm really mad about it. Look what a good Christian I am getting mad about the right things. But getting mad doesn't do anything, does it? Like if I don't do something about it, my anger is completely pointless and a waste of kind of emotional energy for me. So if, if I'm gonna get angry about child trafficking, why don't I do something about it? Why don't I partner with an organization that's fighting it? Why don't I do that? I can contribute resources. I can partner with people who are fighting against this so that my anger has something productive to it and not just firing me up and making me feel self-righteous, okay? So uh, forgive, contribute resources, and promote peace. When you have an opportunity to mediate or speak on behalf of someone, promote peace. Often what we want is vengeance, so this is the parent or grandparent who feels like your child has been harmed or attacked and you're going after the person, the coach, the teacher, whoever, and what you want is justification. What you want is vengeance. What you want is them to feel bad. As Christians, what we're called to is promote peace. We're called to step into those situations and find a way towards peace. Not vengeance, but peace, okay? So that's, that's our move towards uh, resolution. So now I just want to close out by talking about our words, the rash words that come out of our mouths that we can't take back, that we often regret. Here's what Paul says back in this Ephesians 4 passage. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Cut it out, he says. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So this is how he wraps up this conversation about rash words and anger. Um, he says, you gotta cut all this out. You gotta stop letting anger drive your decisions and, and make things come out of your mouth that are not helpful. This, this idea of not letting unwholesome talk. Again, he's not talking about profanity here. Profanity is a whole other category that I, I just think, we just don't think about it in the helpful way, but you can ask me about it later. Um, he's, that's not exactly what he's talking He's talking about language that, that tears people down. And he says, no, use your words to build people up instead of tear people down. And here's how you do that. It's, it's, it's not helpful to say, just stop doing that. 
But Paul gives us something to do instead. Instead of letting these kind of words come out of your mouth, he says, forgive, forgive, forgive. Christians should be professional forgivers. Why? Why should you forgive someone who hurts you or someone that you care about? Because they deserve it? No. Why does Paul say? Because Jesus forgave you. Do you deserve his forgiveness? No. But he gave it to you. That's why we forgive other people. We don't forgive other people because they deserve it. We don't forgive other people because it feels good. Often it does not. Doesn't make us happy. We forgive other people because Jesus forgave us. I long to be a part of a, of a church universal, a church worldwide that is, is known for our forgiveness and promoting peace. It's not exactly what we're known for, but that's what I wanna be known for. I wanna be the kind of person, I want you to be the kind of person where if someone wrongs you, they know you well enough to know you're gonna forgive them, that they don't have to be afraid of you and what you're gonna do in return or how you're gonna respond or how you're gonna talk about them behind their back, but they know you're gonna forgive them. That's not a license to hurt other people. In fact, when I know somebody is a forgiving person, I have so much respect for that. that I, I don't ever want them to have to forgive me. I wanna be that kind of person. I want you to be that kind of person. And here's why this matters so much to us. I think when we are those kind of people, when the church is known for forgiveness and promoting peace, we're a city on a hill. We're a light in the darkness. And people are just drawn to Jesus through that. Because the power to forgive people who hurt us, it doesn't come from us. That comes from the Holy Spirit. I've seen this at work in this church family in the last month. And it is beautiful and life-changing and inspiring. Man, I just want that to be our story. I want that to be our story. We're not people who never hurt each other. We're people who, when we hurt each other, we forgive so generously that nothing has power to stick and, and create bitterness in our hearts. We're people, when somebody hurts us, our goal is peace, not vengeance. And we're the hardest people to offend. I mean, you had to work really hard to offend us because we're so secure in God's love, it's unshakable. That's the kind of church that's a city on a hill. It's a light in the darkness. Let's move in that direction together. Would you stand and we're gonna pray together as we close out. I just wanna invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to just convict you. Are there places in your heart where angerness is sort, angerness? That's not a word. Anger is taking root, creating bitterness, hardening your heart. Have you, have you neglected or avoided addressing the person that you think has, has sinned against you, but you've, you've talked to other people about it? You haven't talked to them. Ask the Spirit to con convict you of those things, to bring it to your heart, and then ask the Spirit to partner with you, to shape you, to change you, to create a sense of forgiveness and, and uh, promoting peace in your heart so that we can, can be the body we're created to be and be a light for others. Let's pray about that together. God, we thank you so much for your word and the promises that you give that there's freedom in forgiveness and that even though anger is an emotion that we all feel, we, we have to be the most careful people about what we do with it. So I just pray that you would help us to take this seriously, um, to acknowledge that we can stumble 
um, and fall in this arena easily and that we really need your spirit to convict us, to shape us and mold us, uh, to become the kind of people who forgive easily and promote peace. Would you do that in us and among us, Father, uh, to your glory so that people see who you are in us and are drawn to you and your son, Jesus. We pray this in his name, amen. God bless you. You are sent to be salt and light in a world that desperately needs Christ. Go in peace.